Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Help, I'm stuck in a Chinese fortune cookie making factory and I still can't win the lottery. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you on a uh, Tuesday night here in March. And on tonight's show, uh, I got an interesting article that I'm going to read to you in Pipe Parts. It's uh, it's called The History of Nicotine, and I, I kind of like it. Uh, it was a little bit of an eye-opener, so we're going to read that. My guest tonight is... Kevin Godby. Uh, Kevin's on because PipesMagazine.com has turned 10 years old quietly. So we uh, get to hear a little bit more from Kevin and get a little bit more insight into his personal pipe smoking. And then music, mailbag, and rant, all that coming up on this week's edition of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And remember, new episodes of the Pipes Magazine radio show come out every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time in the United States, and then they're distributed amongst all those pod things all shortly after that. Please keep sharing and spreading the word of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Introduce your friends to the world of podcasting if they haven't tried it yet. Hope you all had a a good St. Patrick's Day. Um, I guess the next one is uh, Cinco de Mayo, which uh, has the Chicago Pipe Show in it, so... There's a lot of that coming up. <laughs> That'll be a fun time. Um, anyway, for me, Chicago Pipe Show, not sure what the schedule is yet because my daughter's graduation from college is that Friday the 3rd of May. And uh, yeah, we haven't figured out the schedule. Don't know if and when I'll be attending, but I do hope a lot of you get a chance to get there. And don't forget the uh, Triangle Area Pipe Smokers. The uh, Raleigh Pipe Show is coming up here quickly. That's going to be Saturday, April 6th in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, You can uh, go on to Pipes Magazine and look under Pipe Shows, and you'll see all those listings for the information on how to get there. And remember, I can't can't reiterate how important and how much fun it is to uh, get out to a pipe show. All right, let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And thank you to Charles Atkins, who sent me a link to this. And this is from the Winona Daily News. And that's uh, Winona, Minnesota. So not exactly the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington, you know, whatever. Uh, But anyway, it's an article entitled Frank Burris, 
the history of nicotine, and it was it came out through the Associated Press on February 17th. And here it is. Uh, he writes, the discussion about nicotine's good and bad aspects has gone on for centuries. It has especially been debated in the last half of the 1900s because of cigarettes. Now it is being debated, debated more so than ever with uh, the exponentially increasing vaping vogue among teenagers. Uh, the most indestructible entity in the universe, just ask them. He's referring to teenagers. Uh, then he goes on to write, so this is a short discussion of an extensive topic. I will break it down into three sections. The first in this hint is the history and chemistry of a rather fascinating all-natural substance. The short version of a long history begins with the fact that tobacco plants are native to the Americas and were seen and likely used by humans 18,000 years ago. Estimates are they were first cultivated in the, in the Peruvian, Ecuadorian, Andes Mountains between 5,000 and 3,000 B.C. From there, tobacco's use spread throughout the American continent and Cuba as well. The main two species of the plants were Nicotiana tobaccum and Rusticana. It was initially used by shamans in South America in religious rites, as well as for medicinal purposes. It served as a mild pain reliever and antiseptic in a poultice as eye drops, in enemas, and as a narcotic. Smoke was blown on women to make them fertile and on warriors to give them courage in battles. Uh, the leaves were used as a form of barter. It found its way to Europe in the late 1400s via New World explorers. Christopher Columbus sometimes is given credit for exporting the leaves. Its use spread when uh, Portuguese, Spanish, and English sailors introduced it in ports uh, and Jean-Nico de Vileman, it's J-E-A-N, next word, N-I-C-O-T-D-E-V-I-L-L-E-M-A-I-N. Uh, the French ambassador to Lisbon, Portugal, learned of tobacco's properties and introduced it to the French court. The plant was named in his honor. So there we go, I learned that. Uh, Jean-Nico de Vileman. Uh, nicotine was, or Nicotiano was named after him. Uh, he goes on to write, in 1612, John Rolfe, who married Pocahontas, began cultivating tobacco as a cash crop. It even became a currency in the colonies and early U.S. Uh, the smoking of pipes and cigars spread quickly through the 1600s. Tobacco was first used as an insecticide in 1763. James Bonsack invented the first cigarette rolling machine in 1880, which manufactured 200 cigarettes a minute. Within five years, one billion cigarettes had been produced, and James Duke formed the first tobacco company as the American Tobacco Company in 1889. Uh, Wilhelm Pulsat and Carl Reinemann in Germany isolated nicotine from tobacco, which they identified as a poison, in 1828. It was, synth it was synthesized in 1893. The harmful effects of nicotine began to be realized in the late 1880s. Laws were passed in 26 states to ban selling nicotine to minors by the year 1890. After World War II, a confluence of evidence linked smoking and cancer. 
The U.S. Surgeon General published a study in 1964 that connected smoking with heart disease and lung cancer. It took the U.S. FDA until 1994 to recognize it officially as a drug that produced dependence. The FDA didn't gain control over nicotine regulations until the Family Smoking Prevention and Tobacco Control Act was passed in 2009. A Surgeon General's report was issued in 1986 showing secondhand smoke had many of the same deleterious effects as inhaling the actual cigarette. A later Surgeon General's report on secondhand smoke's harm came out in 2006. Nicotine's history is continuing in the vaping incarnation that many companies are fostering for financial gain, not people's well-being. As a chemical, nicotine can be both a stimulant and a sedative, depending on dose. Absorption via smoke reaches receptors in, in the brain in 5 to 20 seconds. The action is mediated through uh, acetylcholine, uh, I'll try this again, acetylcholine cell receptors. Some cause epinephrine to be released by adrenal glands, providing the initial kick, which increases heart rate, blood pressure, and breathing. It makes the pancreas produce less insulin and increases blood sugar levels. It also indirectly causes the release of dopamine, a key chemical in the pleasure and motivation brain centers, bringing feelings of pleasure and contentment, much like cocaine and heroin. Levels of beta endorphin rise to reduce anxiety. A smoker may feel alert, relaxed, and kind of euphoric. Alertness, concentration, and learning may be increased temporarily. Nicotiana is in the family of nightshade plants. Nicotine is predominantly in tobacco and coca, but tomato, potato, eggplant, and green pepper from the same plant tribe contain tiny amount, amounts of nicotine, just not enough to equal what tobacco does. I've never met anyone addicted to eggplant, have you? That's what he wrote. And then he uh, finishes up with tobacco that is chewed, snorted, or used orally allows more nicotine to be absorbed than smoking it. The medical miseries and addiction nicotine brings to us will be covered in other hints. For now, you can put the background about nicotine in your pipe and smoke it a bit. It's not harmful that way. So even he concedes that uh, smoking a pipe, not that harmful. Uh, I look forward to the future articles, but I thought that was just kind of interesting to read, especially the history part, because there was some stuff in there that I'd never heard before. So in just a moment, Kevin Godby. This is Internet Radio. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D, as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. 
Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us is someone who is really familiar to the Pipes Magazine radio show and familiar to PipesMagazine.com and familiar to all the listeners, so no introduction for you, but... Kevin Godby, welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. It's always fun to have you on. Thank you, Brian. Yes, it was actually the Pipes Magazine radio show was my idea. And the best part is I got it to where you have to do most of the work. Yeah, I well, and I also get most of the credit, so that works out too. True. Um, in fact, do you do well? You do all that technical stuff that I don't know what it is with the you know the HTMLs and the toasters and the magic muffins and right. The, yeah. So I'm all the be- I'm the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. In fact, when when we get into it, I'll, I'll use this analogy because I'm like the cook in the kitchen. I just prepare it and then put it on a plate, and then you go serve it up and do stuff with right. it. Right. I'm, I'm not even the, like the waiter. I'm like the food runner. Yeah. In fact, don't even give credit to the waiters about how good the food was. You know, just, yeah. You know. I'm, I'm like the bus boy almost. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, there's been times like you would when miss you... me if I wasn't here, but you don't really know I'm here. Well, and you've had to clean up my messes sometimes too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I help you make them too. And sometimes you've dropped a plate or two. Um, yeah. Anyway, the reason you are on is because uh, quietly a couple months ago, PipesMagazine.com turned 10 years old, which I guess in uh, in the online forums, web, in, you know, in the world of the in, in the world of www, um, that's like being a pterodactyl and still alive. Yeah, it kind of is, really. You know, and and it just recently it occurred to me. Wow, Pipes Magazine is ten years old. I and for me personally, it's it's a record too because I've I've never done any one thing for ten years. The closest I came was my first real job uh, that I was at for nine years. Then after that would be I, I was actually married once way back in the nineties. That lasted seven years, uh, and that's about it. I've never had a job or what anything go ten years and. When Pipes Magazine started, if anybody ever told me that would have been what it was going to be, I would never believe it. I would have bet money against it. So when I when, when I first met you, I was working at smokingpipes.com. And in that time, let's see, one, two, three. I've had technically four different jobs in the life of Pipes Magazine. So yeah, <laughs> my, my, my stability so what's, is not there. What's the longest job you ever had? I've the longest actual job I've ever had is host of the Pipes Magazine radio show. <laughs> See, Pipes Magazine, man, it's like magic. Yeah, because uh, right after I guess right after we hit six years, I passed. Uh, I was at Peter Stokeby for almost six full years, and then okay, that was it. Before that, I you know I would either get out before they figured me out, or they'd figure me out, and then I'd be getting out. <laughs> wow. wow, so so six years was your record uh, at Stokeby, and if you make it to this coming September this year, uh, you'll make six years doing the Pipes Magazine radio show. No, that'll be seven years. Oh, it'll be seven. Oh, I'm sorry, you're right. Seven yeah. years. We already passed six. Yeah, you, I know. You're you're not a, you're not an IT guy. You're more of the uh, the web creative type. So math yeah, isn't I, your uh, strong thing. I didn't know there was going to be math on yes, the show. I'm sorry. <laughs> I would have brought my calculator. 
Well, and and to be honest with you, you know, we're recording this earlier in the day so that we know that you haven't been off to the martini bar yet. Right. You know, it's funny. I think I think it was a couple, two or three shows ago. Uh, it might have been in the intro. You said something like, "This is must be Kevin Godby's favorite time of year because we have Mardi Gras and then we have St. Patrick's Day." Um, <laughs> and Lori was sitting here listening with me, and she said, "Nah, he doesn't need an excuse to drink." Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it was. I, I think I said, "Oh, it's Mardi Gras or Fat Tuesday or what Kevin Godby calls just another day of the week." <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So um, let, let, let's recap for people. Why yes. did you start pipesmagazine.com? What was wrong with you? Uh, were you in the witness protection program? Uh, so just before Pipes Magazine, well, not just before, but in back in 2005, I started a cigar website called cigarreview.com. Don't bother to go to it. It doesn't exist anymore. But three years later in 2008, I sold that website uh, for six figures. It was pretty nice. And had to sign a three-year non-compete that I couldn't do anything related to cigars. And, you know, I spent – that freed up some time for me, which was nice. But then after a while, just the kind of person I am, I'm like, okay, I need to do something. What am I going to do? And this was November 2008. I was on my way to uh, Ebor City. I think back then they called it the the Ebor City Cigar Festival. Now I think they took cigar out of it and it's a bigger thing, but it's still a lot of cigar stuff. Uh, with my friend Stan, who was a former moderator in the forums on Cigar Review, and he said, well, don't you smoke pipes too? I said, yeah, I do. He said, well, why don't you do a pipe website? I'm like, okay. So if you were to go back and find out what day of what day in November 2008 that that Ebor City Cigar Festival was, and then you went and looked up when the domain name pipesmagazine.com was originally registered, they are the same day. <laughs> so you drove home, <laughs> logged in, and registered it. And and I was actually uh, since. Uh, the Ebor Cigar Festival, you know, in Tampa, and at the time my uh, parents lived in Spring Hill, so I actually went to visit, spend the rest of the weekend with my dad. So I, I am sitting. He had two recliners, which is pretty cool. So he's in his recliner. I'm in the other recliner. We're watching football, and I am starting the the design on Pipes Magazine while sitting at my dad's house in a recliner watching football. <laughs> uh, do you remember what the first article was? Um, I kind of do. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't totally legal because I basically copied it from a newspaper, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was an announced, there was an announcement in a newspaper. It was, uh, Romeo's, uh, I can't remember all the details now. It right. might be in Alabama. I'd have to look it up. I don't remember, but a brand new, uh, tobacconist had opened up somewhere in the South Romeo's something. And then the funny thing is, that guy that owned it found that on Pipes Magazine, and he signed up. So the very first sign-up for an account or a membership to Pipes Magazine was the owner of that store. <laughs> I, I believe it was Romeo's Uptown Cigar Shop in Bentonville, Arkansas. Yes. If my, right. if my account status memory still works. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, so Pipes Magazine started because I sold the cigar site. I couldn't do anything in cigars, and my friend just made it a suggestion. And I, back then in those days, um, you know, I was doing a lot of different website designs. It's when uh, 
I'm what I was referred to as a webmaster, and that's a common thing. These that's all you know. Everybody that does that, they have like ten different websites going at once, and you know you make a little money on this one, a little on that one, and we would refer to that as weekend beer money. <laughs> so that's the way I thought of Pipes Magazine when I started. I I figured you know best case scenario, I'll have weekend beer money. <laughs> And it evolved to the point where I stopped doing everything else. It was the only thing I was doing. I, I uh, So I think last week I railed on the differences between cigar smokers and pipe smokers. And, yeah, I I, 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 I must have been a little cranky last week because I, I had a run-in with a cigar guy, and I just <laughs> unloaded on him. Um, and oh, I, yeah. And, and even back then, 10 years ago, there was a big difference, and I think it's an even greater difference now. So the so the cigar site had advertisers that were cigar companies, I'm assuming. And then you start yep. this pipe site and you start going to advertisers for the pipe site. Um, what was your culture shock like? Um, well, funny thing about that, um, and, and I'll get to the advertiser thing in a second, but so the cigar site, when I started it, I always had in my mind that it would be not just a cigar site. I thought of it as like an online magazine and I thought of it in the genre, a more, a bigger general genre of men's entertainment. And I kind of think of, I guess pipes a little bit like that, not totally, but as far as the, uh, you know, on pipes magazine, we have enter- entertaining things like this show. It's not just all talking about geeky pipe and tobacco hobby type stuff, but there's entertainment value. Sometimes. Uh, sometimes. And so on Cigar Review, I ha- I came out with Cigar Babes, and we had, you know, <laughs> hot chicks smoking cigars. And I'm starting Pipes Magazine. And also a uh, shout-out to Bob Tate. Uh, he helped me when I the first couple of years on Pipes Magazine. He came from the cigar site. And we had forums there. And he asked, can we have a sub forum for pipes on the cigar site? And I said, yes, only if you are in charge of it and you moderate it. So then when I started Pipes Magazine, he uh, worked for me, writing a lot of the articles, doing a lot of the reviews and whatnot. And I told him, okay, we're going to have pipe babes. He's like, no, that's a terrible idea. You can't, <laughs> Pipe guys are different than cigar guys. And I did realize that, and I toned, toned it down some. Like on the cigar site, we, there was bikini and lingerie-type shoots. <laughs> uh, on Pipes Magazine, everybody's, all the pipe babes are fully dressed. And funny thing was, that difference was illustrated when I went to my first uh, core show in Richmond. And I'm just walking around talking to people, and I'm at a table, and I forget who it was or which table, but a guy you know, motions for me to come closer. He wants to whisper something in my ear. And he says, the pipe babes are really cool. I like that. <laughs> Versus like if I was at a cigar show and it was a cigar guy, it would be, yo, God be, the cigar babes are awesome. <laughs> Give me our number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, so was the, uh, uh, was the same thing when you started talking to the suppliers or the advertisers? Um, yeah. So my first, so yes, yeah, so the site launched early January, 2009 and I went to my first Chicago pipe show in May, 2009 and I did, I got business cards printed up and 
even though I said, you know, I said earlier that I didn't expect the site to be more than weekend beer money. I still treated it as a real business, as a serious business. I got business cards printed up. I got my camera and my recorder and I went to the Chicago pipe show and put on like my reporter hat on the one hand, but on the other hand also, uh, yeah, you know, well that, that first year I wasn't actually looking for business, but funny thing is, um, Alan, Alan Schwartz, yep. uh, the former publisher of, uh, uh, what was it? Pipe smoke. Pipe smoke. Yes. Thank you. Uh, I'll always remember 2009. I, I walked up to him. I handed him my card at the Chicago show, introduced myself and he looks at the card. He looks at me and he says, boy, I hope you have a rich uncle. <laughs> funny and uh you know sykes was like why is this guy bothering me who is this guy but you know it was brand new nobody knew me nobody knew the site and but one thing that was really cool is i had also recently purchased uh rick newcomb's uh, i think it was maybe his second book his first or second book um pipe dreams and i had it with me i was reading it on the plane and suddenly i see him in the smoking tent and i'm like Oh my God, it's Rick Newcomb. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. And I'm telling, I'm telling my friend like, okay, keep an eye on him. Don't lose him. Cause I had to go all the way back to my room, which is about like five miles away. <laughs> yeah. And I'm running back. I'm out of breath. I have the book and I'm like, can you sign my book? Can you sign my book? And he did. And we took a photo together. And, uh, I also, you know, met, uh, Craig Cobine early on at the show. And he, he actually, I think you were talking about this on a recent show as well. Um, uh, the the guy from Australia was asking, you know, what to expect at his first show. And you said, you know, sometimes when you're brand new, somebody will say, hey, take take part of my table. And Craig Cobine did that for me. So I took uh, manned a table for like for a day. And Craig and Rick, I guess, were the first two people that were impressed. And most other people weren't. They were like, who is this guy? Why is he here? Never heard of him. But when I got home... The first two signups on the site were Rick Newcomb and Craig Cobine. <laughs> All right, that's a perfect spot. We've got to take a break. When we come back, we'll hear more of the history of pipesmagazine.com, and I'm going to ask Kevin some embarrassing questions. Uh, it'll be fun. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark, and like you, there can only be one Savinelli. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and it's actually a we. Um, visiting with uh, Kevin Godby, creator, producer of Pipes Magazine and the Pipes Magazine radio show, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about the foodie stuff in a little bit because you know I know you're you're doing that now finally, so that I don't know, so you can yes. ri- so you can write off all those fancy meals that you go and take pictures of. <laughs> right. uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, so circling back to the advertisers was I know Missouri Mearsham was the first one we had here on the show. Uh, were they the first ones for the website? Yes, they were. So 
uh, as I said before, I started the website in 2009, and I told myself I'm not even I'm not even going to try to sell any advertising I'm not going to ask anybody until I have a certain amount of traffic and I hit that the next year in 2010 and I said okay I, now I have now I can deliver an audience to an advertiser and I just picked up the phone and I called Missouri Mearsham I got Phil Morgan on the line this was um no we actually you know what I think it was November 2009 actually it was so right before 2010 and got him on the line and he said, yeah, sounds good. I'll do that. <laughs> so Missouri Mearsham was the first advertiser on pipes magazine, November, 2009 and has not missed a month since. And then when we started the pipes magazine radio show in September, 2012, I think it was maybe October that Missouri Mearsham came on as our first advertiser. So maybe we could ask the members of the forums to, uh, not diss corn cob pipe so much. Every time you buy a corn cob pipe, it goes to support the content, and that's why I'm, I am happy to say that at least once a year I buy one of their bundle bags at a, uh, at a pipe show because I always use them for taste testing. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, and I think for St. Patrick's Day, I could wear, you know, I could have one hanging out of my mouth as a little Jewish leprechaun. Um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, let's get let, let's get back to you a little bit. So you smoked a pipe before Pipes Magazine. Uh, how has your pipe smoking changed? What kind of pipes were you smoking then versus now? And yeah, you know, how did, did you have your own personal pipe journey? I did, and and I think probably a lot of it, if not all of it, is similar to other people's. But also, I, I need to go back a little bit and give a shout out to Tad Gage, because I had mentioned earlier that my friend Stan suggested doing the pipe site. Uh, so when I did that, well, actually, prior to that, when I did the cigar site, you know, whenever I, I, I'm, I decide I'm going to get into something, I really get into it. So the cigar site started... Uh, no, let me take that back. That was 2005. It was already internet. I started actually smoking cigars in 1998. Um, and when I did that, that was pre-internet. I went to the bookstore and I bought the book, The Complete Idiot's Guide to Cigars, written by <laughs> Tad Gage. And there was one chapter in the original printing. It's not in there now if you go buy the current edition. But there was one chapter on pipes that basically said, if you like cigars, you should try pipes too. And I'm like, okay, back to the store. <laughs> Went back to the tobacconist, bought a bunch of pipes and a bunch of tobaccos. And so 98 cigar smoking started, bought the book by Tad Gage and then pipe smoking started. So yeah, I started 98 and, uh, bought. so I started, I, I actually bought a couple of pipes at a tobacconist. I forget what they were, a couple of Italian pipes. And I don't remember the names right now at the top of my head, but uh, I did then, soon thereafter, go to the drugstore and buy some, like, Dr. Graybo's and some corncob pipes. Got some of the, you know, mass-produced, over-the-counter stuff is, I guess, what we call it. And proceeded to burn the heck out of my mouth and tongue. I'm like, maybe if I puff on this harder, it'll taste like what it smelled like. <laughs> Didn't work. <laughs> so, you know, I think that's a common story with a lot of people starting out with uh, aromatics and burning their mouth and buying the, the cheap pipes. You know, so I did that. And, but I, I stayed with it. Uh, and 
also like a lot of other people, you know, when you're new, I, I'm, I'm trying to smoke every different type of tobacco that I can. Uh, I love every pipe that I see. So there was, you know, no direction. You're in every single direction at once buying, you know, like, uh, uh, free, free, free form Danish style pipes, factory pipes in classic shapes and just all over the map. And then one day you just look at this massive collection of pipes that has no direction. It's just a mess and, and say, why do I have all this stuff? (laughs) They look pretty. And yeah, even, uh, you know, going back to my first Chicago pipe show, uh, I, I bought this huge, uh, like Danish freehand pipe and I just thought it was so cool. And a couple of years later, I'm like, why do I have this? <laughs> and I actually evolved into what, what I appreciate the most are the old school classic shapes, like a straight billiard. I probably have more straight billiards than anything. When you started out, did you have like a price limit in your head of what you were going to spend on a pipe? Um, I didn't really have a limit at that in the early days, but that's, but also my exposure to higher end pipes, there was, I was not exposed to that. I was just, um, like I said, in the beginning, there was no internet. Yeah. So it was just whichever local brick and mortar tobacconists were around and whatever they had. And I think, you know, my cheapest pipe was probably, you know, like a, 10 or $12 drugstore pipe. And my most expensive one was in the low, like a hundred bucks, 120 bucks maybe. And then you get to a Chicago pipe show and you start going to pipe shows somewhat regularly, oh, yeah. frequently. And then that price limit goes out the window. Yeah. Well, what I did right be- before the Chicago pipe show, I went online. I, I, I bought the book pipe dreams by Rick Newcomb. I went to smokingpipes.com and I said, okay, I'm going to a pipe show. I better get some fancy pipes. I can't show up with this cheap stuff. So I bought, I think it was three or four Dunhills, and, which I still have, and I still they're still some of my favorite pipes. And I bought a bunch of uh, Danish-style aromatics. And <laughs> one of the best things that happened was I get to the show, and you know I don't, I don't want to name names on what the aromatics were, but... You know, I have my tins there and, and I'm sitting in the tent on one of the couches and there's a guy across from me and he pulls out a tin of uh, Frog Morton. Uh-oh. And it was it was almost empty. There's maybe, I don't know, four or five bowls left in it. And he goes, why don't you try this? And I was and suddenly it was like, oh, you know, the lights from the heavens, this big. I was like, wow, this tastes really good. Doesn't taste like air. It doesn't burn my mouth. And he said, you just take the rest of that tin for yourself. And I was like, why did I even bring this other stuff with me? And then went the searching for the perfect English tobacco. And I'm sure you bought a whole bunch and tried a whole bunch. Yeah, my first two favorites were the Frogmorton and uh, Maltese Falcon by Greg Pease. <laughs> and then since then, you know, uh, I kind of, you know, it, not like when I was a, a total newbie and you're just smoking everything in sight. Uh, but I do, I don't just stick with one thing. I like, I like almost everything as far as the genres go, uh, with the exception of aromatics and not to put down aromatics, Fred Brown, we published a recent piece of his and he was saying, maybe you need to try aromatics again and don't diss them so much. Yeah, well, and remember, 85% of the market in the U.S. is still aromatic tobaccos. So 
Uh, you know, if if that doesn't yeah. say enough about aromatics, I don't know what else does. Yeah. Uh, so how many pipes do you own now? So the, the most I ever had was maybe about 140, 150. And I'm not too far off of that from now. Right now I am at, I counted because I knew you were going to ask me. So <laughs> I am at 118 pipes, which like when a quote normal person comes over, they're like, oh my God, look at all the pipes you have. But compared to a lot of guys at pipe shows, like one, one year at Kansas City, I was just sitting around a table with, I don't know, five or six guys and I pulled the table and I had like 150 pipes at the time and, and, and my number was almost laughable because these other guys are like, oh, 300, 400, 500. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, and the question that I, that I haven't prepped you for is how many different open tobaccos do you have right now? Cause you said you like to dabble around. You don't stick to one thing. I, I do. Um, and the thing is, I don't have a, quote, tobacco seller. I just don't have I have, a, I have a nice downtown condo, but it doesn't have the space for a tobacco seller. So I used to have a lot of open tins uh, years ago. I, I, the answer my answer years ago probably would have been like 25 or so. Right now, it's probably just like six. <laughs> and, and since I don't, and, and I haven't gone to the trouble, I have to admit of, you know, jarring things in Mason jars and whatnot, but my girlfriend, Lori has one of those vacuum sealer machines, like for sealing food. <laughs> so my open tins, I bring them over there and have her seal them for me. That's perfect. Let, let's transition into that. Cause right now, you know, I, I used to tease you and I still do about taking pictures of your food and yeah. posting it on Facebook or wherever. And then I believe one time just to shoot. Well, there was a there was a series of things that I did just to irritate you. One was to take a picture of my three Taco Bell burritos. I still remember that. Uh, I think I took a picture of a kitchen of a restaurant we were in and said, you know, instead of looking at the food, here's the people that are preparing it. Uh, mm -hmm. You started st petersburg foodies which is really just it's just regional for i mean the tampa st pete area correct yeah not even uh not even regional uh, tampa bay but but strictly st petersburg and also st pete beach there's just, there's a few surrounding towns like st pete beach gulfport uh treasure island that are their separate towns but they're considered part of the st petersburg area so but uh, that excludes Tampa, and it excludes Clearwater. So no, nobody beach. goes to Clearwater unless you're in jail, anyway. <laughs> well, they have a nice beach there. Oh, okay. Uh, isn't Clearwater where the original Hooters was? Yes, it is. Yay! It's and it's still there. Yeah, um, halfway across the peninsula, trying to get to the beach. Yep, I've never been there. Um, twice. Uh, so, so what exactly is St. Petersburg foodies? I mean, what do you, what do you do? And then you launched a podcast. Yeah, it's, it's somewhat modeled after pipes magazine in that it's a website that focuses on a narrow niche <clears throat> has, uh, content that will attract people, you know, interested in that, uh, narrow field and then with and then with uh, sponsors that want to reach that audience. So the business model is the same. 
as Pipes Magazine. And this one happened by mistake and a little bit by Lori nagging me to do it. So <laughs> we just, when we started going out in late 2013, we had a habit of going out to dinner five nights a week, uh, getting real dressed up, taking pictures of our food and ourselves. And we did that for over a year, about a year and a half. So I think it added up to something like between three and 400 posts of us all dressed up and uh, really nice food photos. And it, so it doesn't go unnoticed. So people started texting us and messaging us, asking for restaurant recommendations. And then Lori decided, well, instead of answering all these individual messages, I'm going to start a Facebook group called St. Petersburg Foodies Restaurant Reviews, and we will post stuff in there. And that, so that started off as a resource that we were providing for other people. And at this point it's grown to where, uh, it has, it just taken on a life of its own and it's turned into a resource for us. There's like so many people posting so many things that uh, there's just too much for us to know everything. So what if I'm looking for something new, I actually use our own Facebook group and couple years in on that, September 2016, Lori finally convinced me we launched stpetersburgfoodies.com. She said, you know, why don't you do make a business of this like with pipes? And for the first few months I resisted and said, no, I don't need any more work. I'm good. But then once I'm in, I'm in. And then the podcast and I, and I'm going to take credit for, uh, for you and Lori, uh, getting together because she's <laughs> tall, left-handed and Jewish. And so am I, and right. I was married and she wasn't, so <laughs> you couldn't have yes. me, but you got her. You, you are both my, my two most favorite tall, left-handed Jewish people. One of us is a lot more attractive than the other. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, she, she converted from, uh, she, uh, years ago married a guy from Israel and she converted for him. So she's, and, and, and was strictly kosher. <laughs> so, so now she's, it's funny. And her son is strictly kosher. Lori's no longer, but so I say that she's, uh, Jewish when it's convenient for her because <laughs> she, she eats bacon, but if she doesn't want to have to, uh, go to the relatives for Easter, she says, I'm Jewish. I don't celebrate Easter. Listen, if I could get the holidays as a paid day off, I would have taken them too, uh, <laughs> but that didn't work. All right. We're running out of time, but I want to ask you this question because I absolutely love it. One of my, one of my favorite things about watching the forums on pipes magazine is that, you know, there's some, there's some really good information in there. There's a lot of questions that get asked over and over again. Uh, but at the same time, every once in a while you have to throw somebody out of pipes magazine out of the forums. You have to block them, ban them, whatever it is. Uh, and I've been privy to some of the stories, but uh, what exactly does somebody have to do to get banned from Pipes Magazine? <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's 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 unfortunate when that has to happen. Uh, I, I take I, I, I get no uh, joy out of it, even though some people think I might. Um, <laughs> and you know, I'm also very lucky. Uh, to have the moderators that we have. Uh, so shout out to uh, the moderators and geez, I hope I got to remember everybody here. Uh, there's Al. Al's kind of, Al's kind of like the lead moderator. Grandpa uh, moderator. Uh, yep. And there's Zach, Kevin and Javin. Yep. Yeah, I think I got everybody. 
because every once in a while we'll hit somebody and then somebody else will leave. But those guys do a super job. They really, without them, uh, I, I don't know how I would do it. But, you know, so we have rules. You know, I, I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, but you know, some of it's common sense. Like, you, you know, you're not supposed to disrespect another member. Like if somebody has a different opinion than you, you're not, you can't say, Oh, well, you're stupid. You're, you don't know what you're talking about. It's, you know, we have different opinions, different tastes, but usually we have like a three strikes and you're out kind of thing. Um, usually if some, the moderators handle like 90% of the stuff. Uh, so if something has to get kicked up to me, uh, you're skating on thin ice. <laughs> and a lot of times it just comes down to where somebody's being told that they are breaking a rule and they're asked to please don't do it again. And then they might do it again. So they get a few chances. And some people don't like to be told you can't do that. That's against the rules. And they just get annoyed and they say, oh, yeah, well, you can't tell me what to do. I'm going to do whatever I want to do anyway. And sometimes they, they just do it. And sometimes they actually even say it and call out the, the, the they will practically dare to us to ban them. And when you do that, I'm not going to think twice. And down comes the hammer. I just say, okay, you're banned. Yeah. But you know, it doesn't happen that often. Thank God. Um, but usually it's about, we have a big flame out thing, uh, where it's not just one person it happens. Hmm. I want to say once a year, but it seems like it's been more than a year since it's happened lately. So, you know, knock on wood. But what will happen is somebody will do what I just described and then they will get banned. And then they'll have their their little clique of friends, five or six guys are like, I can't believe you banned him. If you're going to ban him, then you have to ban me. And I'm like, OK, OK, <laughs> there you go. So uh, sometimes when somebody gets banned, they they bring like five or six people with them. And then one time those guys, they started their own forum and it was uh, this whole forum is supposed to be about pipes and stuff. But really half of the discussion is going to be what a jerk Kevin Godby is. Well, I ought to join that forum. I, <laughs> I got Yeah, and all my ex-girlfriends, too. Yeah. Oh, well, there's a whole forum that we won't get into uh, <laughs> because we don't have enough time. Uh, Kevin, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer. Just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Yes. What is your favorite pipe? Uh, Style-wise, straight billiards, classic shapes in general, uh, mostly Dunhills and Kamois. But my uh, to pick one pipe, it would be the 1930s Kamoi that I bought from John Seiler for $100. And he cut me a major deal on that. I don't know what he bought it for, but he probably could have sold it for 300 at least. <laughs> what is your favorite tobacco? Uh, I, I like a lot of everything. You know, I like English, Balkan, uh, Virginia's. Uh, recently, though, I opened a 10-year-old tin of C&D Sunday Picnic, and it's just, it's amazing. Uh, great, you know, raisins, prunes, you know, fruitiness. And last night I smoked uh, Gawith Hogarth Balkan mixture in my Sabinelli Venezia. And that was delicious as well. And this is going to be tough for you, but uh, what is your favorite drink? Gin martinis before and during the meal, but scotch with a pipe. <clears throat> Excuse me. In the morning, it's cafe con leche. 
and Sunday morning there's a mandatory spicy Bloody Mary. But yeah, my you'll see me drinking martinis the most most of the time. But uh, usually it's something brown with a pipe, usually scotch, sometimes rum. And when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or listening to the Pipes Magazine radio show? During the day, it's a book or the Wall Street Journal. And in the evening, it's either music or the Pipes Magazine radio show. It's Yeah, I mean, just <laughs> listening to the show makes you want to smoke a pipe anyway. Or fall asleep. Uh, <laughs> and then lastly, do you have a, a particular PipesMagazine.com related memory that we didn't talk about that might be fun? I don't know, maybe a favorite cartoon or caption contest or uh, oh, <laughs> favorite yeah, you know, flame I can't, I can't out. remember a specific <laughs> cartoon caption, but there are some really good funny ones. Um, and, and, and we get, it's funny when that first started, we only got, you know, you get like five guys would enter. I'm like, okay, crap. I'd, there were times I had to call you on the phone and say, okay, help me figure out what the least worst one is. But now we get like, uh, close to a hundred, not quite a hundred, but, but that's a good number. And so, uh, Best memories in general are my first Chicago Pipe show, uh, interviewing Michael Gladys from uh, the TV show Mad Men, and my visit to Denmark with Sykes, getting to see pipe makers and two of the largest tobacco factories, McBaron and Orlick. And in Pipes Magazine, specific memory, banning everyone because I love doing that. Just kidding. Um no, but actually, here's here's a little piece I'll throw out there that I, I'm not making an announcement on anytime soon anywhere else but here. So Uh-oh. only the podcast listeners will know. Uh-oh. Uh, we are just starting a major upgrade to Pipes Magazine. Uh, a lot of that work is in the back end, and I won't get into all the technical stuff because it's boring and we don't have time. But the front end will also have a get a major facelift. And one of the most major things that people will notice is we're going to have an entire new platform for the forums. Ooh. And, yeah. And that will be probably we're trying to get that all launched and complete uh, for early June. Well, there you go. So uh, from all of us that listen or for you know the listen and don't get a chance to talk to you much i you know some days <laughs> there are some weeks where the only text you get from me is the show is uploaded and i get a thanks and that's it so right uh i think we can all say a big thank you to you for 10 years of pipes magazine and all the uh and all the fallout pieces from it and uh, we're looking forward to another 10 years yeah and thank everybody and thanks to everybody else for uh keeping it going And we'll be back in just a minute. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe. Just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite, or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking Pipes, 
in faithful service of the hobby. This is Internet Radio. And we are back, and this is normally where I'd tell you to go check out everything that Kevin has to show or sell you, but, uh, you know, just check out PipesMagazine.com frequently like you already do, and yeah, listen to this show like you already do. And you can also listen to the Foodies podcast if you want to. It just makes me hungry. All right, for music, uh, nothing pipe smoking related. There is a uh, artist named Tom Amin, A-M-E-E-N, and I believe we've played him on the show before. He does uh, piano, uh, easy listening versions of songs, and uh, I think I played him with a Disney song. Well, with all this uh, hubbub and excitement for the new Star Wars Galaxy's Edge lands that are opening up at Disneyland and at Walt Disney World, uh, I thought, you know what, let's play some of his Star Wars stuff. So, yeah, hey, I was a 10-year-old, 9-year-old kid when Star Wars came out, and I remember it just, you know, wow, that first beat. Well, here's uh, his version of the, this is Tom Amin's version of the Star Wars main theme.
And again, his name is Tom Amin, A-M-E-E-N, and he's, uh, just look him up on Spotify or iTunes, got some great stuff, especially if you like some of the, I really like some of the Disney stuff that he's done, and some of his other stuff is nice and relaxing and easy listening to just sit there and put on in the background. You've got mail. You've got mail. You've got mail. All right. Lots of stuff to get to here. Uh, First of all, it is still not too late to donate to the JDRF auction through uh, Steve Fallon, the pipe stud. If you want, you can send the stuff directly to me. Anything you have is greatly appreciated. Email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, or send me a message on Facebook, whatever. I'll get you the address. But we need everything that we can get, everything possible. And uh, speaking of uh, Steve Fallon, the pipe stud, going back to last week's show, uh, Dino said, man, that was a great show. Steven was an absolutely terrific guest. Your easy conversation, both informative and entertaining, made it seem as if we, the listeners, were seated around a table with you at a pipe show. And by the way, I'd like to share a pipe with you guys at the Chicago show in May. Great photo of the pipe stud and Jim Inks. Uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan's song for his wife was just the right touch. I enjoyed the rant, too. Thanks again for an hour well spent, Dino. Hey, you're welcome. And, yeah, I like sitting down and chatting with Steve. Uh, he can uh, he can keep up with me and dish it out. And then uh, Casey Ghost says, yeah, it was a very pleasant hour. Thought the review of Crooner was good, though I'd never touch the stuff myself. Just simply a great interview with the pipe stud. Nothing like listening to two old friends chatting about various things. Steve and his wife are just amazing. It seems like every last one of us who are Steve's customers have asked him to hold something for us if it came in. No luck. (laughs) And and I'll tell you right now, I don't blame him. Uh, And then uh, Casey Ghost says, I didn't care for the music. Would much prefer to listen to an acoustic guitar. Your rant was right on the mark. And then uh, R. Hicks, better known as Russ said i really enjoyed this show i'd like to see regular tobacco reviews you have a knack for it steve fallon's voice is a national treasure some of my favorite pipes came from steve's ebay store and i highly recommend it to others you could play stevie ray vaughn every show and i'd be happy lenny is such a classic my favorite version is from a live bootleg right before they divorced it was the last time he ever played the song live and you could almost hear the sound of joyous freedom in his guitar tone and phrasing. <laughs> I wonder. Yeah. I guess if you write a song for somebody that you uh, are married to and it doesn't work out, well, I guess the song ends. And, uh, yeah, anyway, don't forget Chicago Pipe Show, May 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th. Hope, uh, hope I get to see a lot of you there. Hope I get to get there. All right. Rant time next. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Cowboy. Cowboy.
Who remembers the uh, Motel 6 thing? They'll leave the light on for you. Well, all right. Remember when we were talking about uh, porch pirates and people stealing stuff off your porch? Well, here's my suggestion for you on uh, further safety measures because uh, I've always done this. Leave a light on outside the house and inside the house. And in fact, if you've got lights around the house, leave them on. These new LED bulbs are super long lasting, low energy. Leave the lights on. I go around our neighborhood and other neighborhoods in the Charlotte area and I see houses that are pitch black and uh, and blinds are all drawn and everything. Well, I can understand that, but leave the light on. If you leave the light on, then you're going to you're you know you're not gonna you're not gonna be a, a target for thieves. You're gonna be brightly lit where people can see what's going on. So spend the money, get the bulbs, leave the light on, and you will be the last choice of any of the thieves in the area. And there's my suggestion for you. Just light it up. Leave a light on inside the house too when you go away. Leave a light on. Leave the lights on. There you go. LED bulbs, super cheap. And it'll help keep you, uh, well, it'll make you less likely to having a porch pirate that'll want to come in and invade your castle. There you go. All right. Remember, uh, JDRF auctions, uh, please, anything that you've got would be great. And if you're traveling anywhere, please reach out to me first, brian at pipesmagazine.com or brian.levine at mei-travel.com. I got my first family booking on a Disney cruise in November, so that's exciting. And uh, thank you very much for doing that with me. And remember, when you book with me, it doesn't cost you any more. In fact, if I can't save you money over booking yourself, I'll tell you. And if I, you know, then it's up to you. If you book with me, I'll take care of all the details for you and get you all the way through to your trip and then uh, check with you after your trip. So there you go. All right. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Thanks to uh, Kevin Godby for, you know, whatever you do and for joining us. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Keep Winnie the Pooh out of here, will you? He'll ruin me.